Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. It's his harvest. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. He says, therefore pray. We're here to pray and we can see there's a shortage of laborers. I believe that if we're faithful, and here he says, be, pray. He says, pray. Pray, and, and who do we pray to and what do we pray for? He says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. He's Lord of the harvest, so it gives us hope in our praying that he's the one that brings in that ripe fruit. He is still saving today. He is Lord of the harvest. He is reaching out to people. And he's in control of that. Lord means that he's governor over it. He governs over it. He controls. He brings into his fold, those who, whose hearts he has touched. He says we should pray to him. He's concerned about the harvest. We see Jesus' concern. He, it says, verse 35, he, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We sang the song today softly and tenderly. Jesus is calling He's calling his sheep to come and to recognize their shepherd. He says these were, they, they were there wandering. In their wandering, they were harassed. <laughs> That's what happened to sheep without a shepherd. They don't have someone to protect them, to lead them, to guide them, to feed them. Um, and they needed a shepherd. He says to his disciples, Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I want to pray tonight for that. I want us to pray that God would um, give laborers to um, this church so that we can work in the harvest that he's given us. One of the things that, that I'm mindful of is that we have, we have um, people, for instance, we have men in Milwaukee Rescue Mission who we can... Uh, we have a number of men who can be reached and who need, who need a helper. They need a, a, a man here, so we need to make ourselves willing. We need to prepare other men so that they're willing, so that they're ready, and that we prepare the laborers. We train the laborers how to reap the harvest, how to work in that harvest. And so um, keep that in mind as, as we go uh, to prayer tonight. One of the things that God asks us to pray for is to pray for laborers in the harvest. And we pray to God, recognizing that he can do that. You know, I'm amazed when we take offering here, and I'm amazed when we look at what's raised and, and what God does with the little, that, that's, um, the little resources that we have. But God is unlimited. 
and he's able to keep on he's able to continue to use and to bless so that that harvest um, he, in other words he's able to bring laborers from this body for that harvest that he has ready he's concerned about that harvest uh, I pray that I become as concerned as, as he is so I become my concern begins to mirror his concern and I pray that that, that be the, the truth for all of us that we begin to to have a burden for those wandering sheep without a shepherd and that we, we have the heart that God has. We have the heart that Jesus has. In this passage, we see Jesus' heart, his compassion. We see God and his compassion. And we see few laborers. And God says, pray to him. Don't get frustrated. Don't get mad. Don't give up. Don't get discouraged. Pray and trust that God answers prayer to, to, to fulfill the desire that he has. It's his desire. So let's pray tonight that, um, that God will maintain the labors. He will bring in new labors. He will encourage the labors that are, that are here. I know tonight in Truth Seekers we have some who couldn't be here tonight. I know we have um, Cliff uh, Joyce is, is, is in a hospital tonight. We'll be praying for her. I want to keep her in mind in prayer because of her condition. Uh, Cliff isn't here tonight. Uh, I know Shell called in to say she wouldn't be able to be here tonight and that they both are normally working in, in Truth Seekers. So we're missing some labors that way and, and those things happened from, from time to time. Uh, so it's not because of that that I'm speaking, but just in general, um, God wants us to, to be laborers and wants us to be mindful of that work that he has for us and that we see his heart in it so that we don't get discouraged in it. And we also hear his, his instruction, and that is to pray. So tonight, pray. Pray that way, that God will raise up laborers for the great harvest. Have you ever, have you ever just pictured the harvest? Have you ever seen, uh, so, uh, to me, sometimes the harvest overwhelms us. We see people in need. You, you can't, open your eyes and not see people in need. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. Um, we, we tend to, to focus on people without some of the physical things in life. But do we realize that those who don't know Christ are without the most basic essential that's needed to be a part of the kingdom of God? And so they are in need. And uh, um, God is going to send out laborers for this harvest. We need to pray to him for that. So let's spend some time here at Sweet Communion praying that God will do what we know he wants to do. Sometimes he's just waiting for us to show faith by exercising in prayer and praying for, for that harvest. So with that said, I'm going to ask our, our uh, devotion time, our, our meditation time leader, Brian Revere, Good evening, saints. Our meditation will be in John 8 today. As we keep on plodding along, on our slow but steady pace through the Gospel of John. 
Why is the passage at the beginning of chapter 8 of John controversial? There she is. Why is the... Uh, huh? Okay. That is in the, in the context of it, for sure. What other reasons why this passage would be controversial? Yeah, this one is missing from the Gospel of John, right? So if you look at the earliest versions of the Gospel of John, this passage is not in there. But the church did include this, and it is nothing that is taught in here that is not right before God. So, And it brings up a couple of interesting questions, so we'll go through it um, throughout the ages. Christians have found that the Holy Spirit is speaking through this passage, and so um, it's still included. I wouldn't say that it it uh, fits perfectly into the flow of John, but it could be that this happened during the same period of time, and that's why the church included it here, but um, that's why it's controversial, because people question whether this is part of the book of John, and it's, it's obviously it's not. But we'll still look at this. So let me just read this here starting at verse 2 early in the morning he came again to the temple all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and placing her in their midst they said to him teacher this woman has been caught in the act of adultery now in the law Moses commanded us to stone such women what do you say this they said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. As they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. When they heard it, they went away, one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go on from now on, sin no more. What's going on here? Okay, they got a scheme going on here, right? They have a scheme. And the scheme appears to be to bring somebody with an obvious charge and so hopefully Jesus will say something flippant, and then you got to flip the game on him and say, well, I, you didn't know. Because the thought was that a prophet would know if somebody was coming to them, and for him to pronounce judgment in the name of God, he would know that they were trying to trick him. And so the thought was, we'll catch Jesus in something here real quick. And it's a good trap. This woman actually was caught in adultery, Yeah, but we don't have all the facts here. We don't have all the facts. Now, we do know for sure she was caught in adultery. What's the penalty for adultery? Death. Death is the penalty for adultery. And that's in the law of God. And the law of God is good. 
But when you catch somebody in an adultery, how many people does it take to commit adultery? It takes at least two, right? At least two. And the reason I say at least is because people is wild out there and they're doing all kind of crazy stuff. But the point is, is that it takes two to do adultery, at least, right? So <clears throat> the first question we got to ask ourselves is, where is the man? Right? And my mom brought that up earlier. Where's the man at? But the second thing is, the Pharisees know the law in and out. Why didn't they bring the man? Right? You've got to ask yourself, since they caught the woman in the act, it's impossible for there not to be a man there. So therefore, where's the man? Now, Jesus does this thing where he writes on the ground. And there's been many jokes and many sayings about what Jesus is writing here. But I think ultimately what we get from Jesus' writing is that he's simply not paying attention to them. Right? Look at the context when he says there. He says, Jesus bent down and wrote a God, and they continue to ask him. So it's not like they're sitting there reading what he wrote and it's important to them or anything. It's more like, hey, man, what you got to say? What you got to say? Look, we got this woman. What you got to say? Jesus is ignoring him. He's writing on the ground. And that ticks him off because he's ignoring them. And then the next thing he does is he stands up and he says, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. What does that statement do? Okay, let's think about that a little bit more complexity than that, but that is true. It does make you look at yourself. But what does it say? Do they, should a stone be thrown at her? Yes, right? The stone should be stone. So, so let's start with the perfect one first. All right? Let's start with the one without sin first. He'll throw the first stone. Think of it this way. In the law, if you convicted somebody of a sin, it was your duty to now execute the penalty. If I found, Brother Dwayne found me murdering somebody in the alley, and we, he brought me up to court, at the end of the day, the witness to that crime, Brother Dwayne, will be one of the ones that will throw the first stone so that the judgment ultimately will fall on his shoulders. So Jesus is saying, okay, first one up, innocent one, please uh, throw the first stone. Now we all know that this was a scheme. We all know that this was a scheme, right? So for them to say that they were innocent, it caught them in a trap, right? Because who could stand first? Even according to the law, even the law says there's none righteous, no, not one. Remember when Paul says that, he's simply quoting the Old Testament. He could be quoting Ecclesiastes when he said there's not a righteous man. He could be quoting the Psalms. There's no righteous. There's nobody righteous, no, not one. All have turned against you. All of them had the blood of asp. What is that, a snake? They're all venomous snakes, sneaky venomous, evil, to the core. All of them have turned aside. All of them have become corrupt. So who could therefore cast the first stone knowing the law? And knowing the law, nobody could be prideful enough to say they were perfect, so now they're in a trap. I can't throw the stone. If I did, I'd say I'm perfect. But not only that, does Jesus know something? Oh, man, does he know something on me? Does he have something on me? Uh, I can't. 
Oh, man, let me back out of here. Now, some people twist this passage, and they make it seem like we shouldn't execute people who commit certain sins. And that's not true, because the law is good. The law does say execute adulterers. And the law does say kill murderers. The law says execute rapists. So that is not the right conclusion, because we would be contradicting the word of God if we did that. Neither is Jesus establishing a new law where we don't execute people for crimes. We don't see that. Paul later says that the government was given a sword for a reason. So some people twist this passage and make it one where there's no judgment. But let me put it another way to you. In the face of the Son of God, who is appropriate to judge the actions of men? If we stand in front of the white throne of judgment, and behind that throne is Jesus, and on the side is me, if I try to pipe in, what would Jesus say? Shut up. Right? Shut up. You got no right to speak here. Approaching the Son of Man when he is making judgment, for you to pipe in and think that you can chime something in and add to his understanding of a case is the height of arrogance. Now, when you come before a judge, if nobody brings charges against you, the charges are let that go, right? If me and Andy get in a fight and Andy beat me down real bad, but I don't bring charges against him, they don't got no proof, nobody else can bring charges, he can walk free, right? Me and him shook hands. I said, yeah, man, I really shouldn't have did that. You beat me up for a good reason. I'm not going to bring charges. The judge would not convict. And so Jesus says to the woman, where are the accusers at? Where's the prosecuting team? Oh, they're gone, Lord. Well, I'm not going to condemn you, but go and sin no more. What does that statement mean? Go and sin no more is a recognition that she was guilty. Right? But the reason that Jesus saves us is not so that we could sin and think that is just covered for no reason. Jesus pays for every sin. The thought that, ah, I'll just ask forgiveness for this, is to take for granted the cross. And so Jesus says, go and sin no more. Who can empower us to sin no more? Except for Jesus. Who else could command us to sin no more other than Jesus? And so what you get from this whole episode is this idea that Christ alone redeems, Christ alone judges, and the schemes of man fall apart before him. Ultimately, it is God who judges and saves us from himself. Isn't that a funny thing to think about? People always say, well, God saved me from my sins. He saved you from his sins. <laughs> but God was waiting to devour you. And God saved you from himself. And so we thank God because he had the right to take us out at any moment. And he didn't. Just like Jesus. He could have condemned the lady, but he didn't. 
but neither did he sweep it under the rug. He made an account of that woman's sin, and then he went and died on the cross for that woman's sins. Forgiveness is not to pretend that sin didn't happen. Forgiveness is the ultimate acknowledgement of sin, but to say that it's paid for. That's completely different. Thank you. Good evening, everybody. Today I want to focus our prayer on um, those people. Looks like we're getting a little run of people having maladies again. Um, Joyce, not been doing well. Um, um, Grandpa Kenner still. Show of hands, anybody else dealing with anything in here? Injuries. Mrs. Kenner's got a surgery coming up. <laughs> this is a current injury. <laughs> so we'll pray for that. So, Sharmon, can you pray for them? Um, Jonathan, will you pray for those who are recovering from injury? So we have um, Cal's wife, Marge. Um, like he said, um, Trinace is recovering from hers as well. So pray for them. So we've got people going through some um, some stuff right now, some injuries. Um, and then uh, also can you just add praise for Mrs. Kenner. Um, step one of her recovery is done. Now we just got to move on to the next one. Um, and then I will close this up. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this evening, just coming to you in prayer and lifting up those who um, are just going through different ailments and illnesses at this time. Dear Lord, we think of those who um, may have been dealing with different things for a while and just pray for Mr. Kenner, Bob Kenner, and just his ongoing. Mother Kenner also just the strength to continue to be by his side and, and help him and watch over him. And just thank you for um, her faithfulness, dear Lord. We pray for Bonnie as well. She's another individual. Um, just thankful that her and husband were able to just get away for the weekend. But pray to just be with her and her health during this time. Um, pray for Shell right now um, in the fall that she had. I just pray that you will just, um, I pray that injury is not too serious, that you will allow her to not um, have to have anything done, but just um, give her comfort during this time, allow it to heal properly, and just uh, get that she gets the rest that she needs at this time so she can fully be able to um, work efficiently and do the things that she needs to do. Lord, I pray for um, I pray for anyone else that I'm not coming to mind. Um, we just continue to pray for those that um, do have different things going on for Duane, dear Lord, and um, his health, dear God, and for, um, for those suffering through different um, allergies and colds at this time, dear Lord, just continue to be with each, each and every one of us, especially during this time as we're just trying to be able to do our daily activities and um, function how we want to and, and not get sick and not have things hold us back, dear Lord. And I just pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Dear Lord, just please pray for anyone who from injury or illness or Lord, we continue in prayer and we just um, lift up those in our congregation who are recovering from injuries and um, who are injured Lord it's been a year of a lot of that this year Lord we've just been a lot of attack on the physical bodies of the people in the church Lord we lift up um, um, Joyce as she's in the hospital um, that you just help it to not be anything that is 
too terrible, Lord, that's easily remedied and easily fixed, and just give the doctors wisdom in that, Lord, and know that ultimately you are the one watching over her health, Lord, and we just ask that you continue to watch over her. As you continue to watch over Grandpa Ken, allow him some days that you can allow him to be in church with us again, as we would all like to see him. Lord, we ask that you um, be with Jell, as she found, Lord, um, just heal her, help we pray that it isn't anything um, too detrimental, Lord, that um, it's something that's easily remedied and she can bounce back from very quickly. We ask that you continue to be with um, those who are recovering with Marge after her surgery. We just thank you that everything went well. We thank you everything went well with Trinacea's surgery, Lord, and now she's in recovery. Um, and we just also praise you again for um, helping everything go well. We praise you for um, being one that we can trust, even when we go through these things that may be scary as a surgery. Lord, but we know that ultimately you are in control. We know you are in control when we're sick. We know you are in control when we're injured, Lord. And that ultimately we know that you have us and you are watching out for our well-being, Lord. We just praise you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.